honest with you, I've got a lot on my heart this morning. I don't know how much we'll have time, uh, you know, to get to everything. I, I know I've got way more notes than we'll have the opportunity to get to today. But um, I want to talk to you a little more about not forgetting your armor. Don't uh, forget your armor. Praise God. And so, but let's begin with our keystone verse, uh, Romans 8 and 31. Romans 8 and 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, just to do a, a brief review, um, we've been looking at what the Bible has to say about our response. In, in other words, when he says, what will you say to these things? He's asking us, how are we going to respond to the different things that we face and deal with in life. Um, and when we talk about our response, we're talking about three key areas, um, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. What are you going to think about it? What are you going to say about it? What are you going to do about it? What shall we say to these things? Now, um, we're still developing this passage in Romans 8 because he's going to you know, begin here, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he's going to cover several different areas of life and provide for you and me some pre-planned responses. Amen. And so this one right here, I think, is a, is a really good uh, one for us to, to incorporate into our daily responses. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. But notice that um, when we talk about our response and just some of the things that we have mentioned so far, is that the response and how we respond to people, how we respond to situations, circumstances, that's the one thing that we do control. Um, we don't control and can't control other people, what other people think, what other people say, what other people do. Um, we can only control how we respond to them. And, and my friend, that is very empowering when we, when we really come to that conclusion. And we see that Jesus had much to say to you and me in his Sermon on the Mount about the way we respond. This is why he told us to pray for people um, who spitefully use us. It's why he told us to bless people who curse us. It's why he told us to, to, to um, you know, love uh, even those who would position themselves as an enemy against us. And, and it's, it's not, I know sometimes even like that turn the other cheek part um, is, is a hard part for people to, to, to deal with. But when you understand that it's the enemy who's trying to operate and work and manipulate us through other people, and, and what Jesus, of course, is, is instructing us to do is, is to manage our response. Because if we respond in the right way, there's nothing the enemy can do uh, to, to defeat us. Uh, but if we fall for his tricks and if we fall for his traps, because that's ultimately what we're seeing here in, in, the, in the scriptures, is that the enemy is trying to use these different situations and circumstances that would arise in our lives to manipulate a wrong um, response from us. Now, um, let's go to Ephesians uh, 6. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. And, um, and we'll look at a few verses there. Um, Ephesians 6 and 10. Um, as, you, as you turn, one of the things that... I've been encouraging you to do is to pay attention to the way you respond to things. Amen. Uh, pay attention to, uh, um, you know, because there's a, a lot of ways that we respond that have, um, what's the right word here? They're predictable. Amen. 
have, have you ever said in, in relationship to, to either your behavior or a pattern of behavior in someone else's life, uh, here we go again, right? Um, because, you know, so many times, you know, these patterns of response have been so ingrained into us over, over many, many, many years. Um, like, for instance, how, how do you respond uh, to stress? Um, how do you respond when things don't necessarily go your way? <coughs> how do you respond um, when uh, someone does something that is offensive to you? Okay? And, and so uh, how do you cope? It would be another way, uh, you know, of how we respond. And, and if you'll notice that, you know, over time in our lives, we've developed these different patterns of responses to, to responding to the point that, that they have become not only automatic, but, but they've, they've become predictable. Um, and so, you know, this is, you know, when the, we talk about demonic strongholds in our lives and, 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 and tearing down strongholds, you know, so many times we... I think we have this, you know, idea of a stronghold as, as being, you know, some lair full of demons and, and, you know, when really and truly the strongholds are these patterns of thinking, these patterns of, of coping, these patterns of responding. And, and these are the things that if we want to experience real change in our lives, that we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Um, if, if we keep responding the way we've always responded, then how will anything ever be different um, in our lives? If we continue to cope with stress uh, by worrying or by spending too much money or by eating too much food or by, you know, all these different ways that, that we've, you know, developed in our lives over, over the course of many, many years, perhaps dating all the way back to our childhoods, if that never changes in our lives, then how will anything ever be uh, be different or, or or any better? Amen. And so let me. Um, the Holy Spirit keeps kind of nudging me along these lines, and so just stay right there in Ephesians six. But let me talk to you for just a, a brief moment, if I could, um, about our brother David in the Bible. Amen. Um, we see that he had really learned from the Lord. Uh, the power of response. And we have some classic examples of how to respond uh, when challenged, how to respond when facing a difficulty. Let's, let's go all the way back to when he was a little boy and he was facing Goliath. And if you remember, the, the, his older brothers and, and even some of the other soldiers there that day, um, they were talking down to him. They were like, you know, what makes you think you can defeat this giant? Um, you're just a, a, a runt, and this, this giant has been a man of war since he was your age. And, and now you're, you, know, you think you can go and defeat him. And, and, and so obviously they were discouraging David. They were speaking all kinds of, of words to discourage him from going and facing uh, the giant that was defying uh, the armies of God. And, and do you remember what, what David did? Do you remember how he responded? He responded by reminding himself as well as those around him of past victories in his life. He says, man, let me tell you about this time that a bear came after my daddy's sheep. And let me tell you this time when a lion came and, and tried to, to, to steal from my family. 
and how the Spirit of the living God came up inside of me. And the same God who delivered the bear into my hand and the same God who delivered the lion into my hand will also deliver this uncircumcised heathen giant into my hand. So notice how he's responding here. He's responding not by, oh man, you're right. Uh, he is much bigger than me. Oh, what was I thinking? No, no he, did, he didn't take the discouragement uh, that was offered to him, but he responded to the discouraging words with encouraging words. He rehearsed victories in his life. Do you realize how often we forget all the times God's been there for us? Do you realize how often we forget how many times He's bailed us out? How many times He's set us free? How many times He's forgiven us? How many times He's healed us? How many times He's protected us? How many times He's provided for us? My friend, we need to respond uh, to current challenges by rehearsing past victories. When we're facing uh, difficulties in, in the coming year, and listen, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be negative this morning. The Bible says, Jesus said it, as long as we're in this world, in the condition this world is in, we're going to deal with trouble. We're going to deal with challenges. We're going we're gonna to deal with, with, with issues and circumstances and situations. But notice, it's how do we respond to things that have potential to discourage us? We have to respond to the discouragement by encouraging ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Now, if you, if you fast forward to a, to a later date in David's life, um, he had went out. He, it's kind of a, 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 a long story, but, but he was actually on the run from Saul. Um, and, and he had uh, aligned himself with, with actually what was an enemy of his in the past. But they didn't trust David. They were concerned that, you know, his allegiances weren't really there with them. But anyway, long story short, David and his men had went out to war. And when they came back, an enemy had come and, and kidnapped all the wives and children and had stolen all of their stuff. And there were men who had been loyal to David uh, for years and years and years that were so grieved and so disheartened and so discouraged by the situation that they literally spoke among themselves of taking revenge on David. They literally talked about turning against. Um, and, and again, if you, it's a beautiful story if you understand. Um, David had this league of misfits, if you will. Um, he, he, he took in uh, men that nobody else wanted. Um, and, and trained those men and educated those men and loved those men and became like brothers with those men. And, and we see that, that those men on many occasions had, had risked their lives for David. We see that those men, like David, had went and killed giants themselves. And, and, and yet in this moment of despair, um, they were, were thinking the unthinkable. Um, not just giving up, not just quitting, not just wallowing in their misery, but literally taking, uh, taking it out on their leader. And, and so in, in this moment of despair where David not only had lost uh, you know, his family um, and his stuff, uh, but now those who were the closest to him that he had relied upon all these years were turning against him. And the Bible says that he separated himself. And what did he do? He responded to that desperate situation by encouraging himself in the Lord his God. Once again, what did he do? He responded by reminding himself of all the times that he had been in, in, a, in a predicament in the past 
And all those times, God had been there for him, and God had delivered him and protected him. And so notice, again, how he responded in, in those situations. We've made this statement over and over again. Your response is the difference between victory and defeat. How you respond when the enemy comes against you is going to mean the difference between you overcoming in that situation or you losing out and missing out in that situation. And so David understood this. And and we see that he spoke to himself. We see throughout the Psalms where David would speak to his own soul. Your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and chooses your mind, emotions, and will. And David would say things like, Soul, we're going to make our boast in the Lord today. Right? In other words, what is he saying? He's saying we're going to respond to the challenges that we're facing by bragging on our Savior. We're going, to, we're going to respond to what we're dealing with by reminding ourselves of all the times that He's been there for us, all the times that He's taken care of us, all the times that, that He's loved us, even when we did things to convince Him otherwise. His love is everlasting. His kindness and mercy towards us is to all generations. And, and so this was, this was what David had, had developed in his life, this practice. Of, of encouraging himself. And so you say, well, Pastor Mark, what, what does it have to do with Romans 8? Well, what shall we say to these things? David knew how to say the right things in the right moments, amen, to encourage himself, to build himself up in faith, and to ultimately overcome even in the most uh, difficult and desperate situations. All right, now, let's go. Keep that in mind now. This is not... These are not three different sermons. It's all one sermon. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, the finally is strategically placed because the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians is the final chapter in Ephesians. And if you know anything about the book of Ephesians, Ephesians is referred to as the capstone epistle. Now, when you're building a building, you have the cornerstone, uh, the chief corner. That would be the first stone put in place. The capstone would be the final stone put in place. And the reason Ephesians is referred to as the capstone epistle is because everything that Jesus began to do and teach that was expounded upon by the apostles, uh, by the apostles and, and the Holy Spirit can all be found in those six chapters of Ephesians. You can study the entire Bible by studying the six chapters in the book of Ephesians. And so it is is a a phenomenal, uh, you know, things that Romans and Hebrews obviously takes many, many chapters to expound upon. We find them like, you know, condensed Campbell soup, right? We find them in compacted form in uh, the book of Ephesians. And so now we're coming to the final chapter of what, um, again, we could talk all morning about the book of Ephesians, but he spends the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians telling us um, who we are in Christ Jesus. And, and he gives us you know, this great explanation of our salvation and what's become true about us because we have been born again. And, and that we're now seated together with Jesus, that we've been raised up together with Him in chapter 2. And so after He gives us this beautiful uh, three-chapter explanation of, of what's true about us as born-again believers, He then begins in the final three chapters to give us uh, instructions. And, and this is such an important pattern 
because so many in the church world today have it, have it backwards. Um, they try to tell you what to do uh, in order for these things to be true about you. In other words, they say that you, you have to uh, uh, you know, obey in order to be righteous, when really and truly, it's just the opposite. He's given you righteousness as a gift, and because He's made you righteous, you can now live and walk in righteousness. Are you, are you following what I'm saying, right? For instance, it, it, He says this, He says, you were once darkness, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Because you were once darkness, but have been transformed and are now offspring of God, you have the wherewithal to live in this dark world as a child of God's light. Amen. And so we see this, this uh, uh, beautiful pattern laid out for us in the book of Ephesians. And so then he comes you know, to this, this finally, this this conclusion, this, this uh, moment where he's going to end uh, this, this letter, uh, and, and he begins by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, these are obviously beautiful words, and hopefully you can find uh, you know, encouragement here, but... He's not just telling us to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. What's going to follow after this are practical instructions on how to effectively do that. Okay? In other words, He's not just patting us on the back and telling us to be strong. Okay? Um, obviously, you know, we could all be encouraged this morning. You know, be strong, hang in there. But this is far more than just, you know, hang in there and, and it'll be over soon kind of a pep talk. He's, he's about to give us some very practical instructions to effectively be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, if, if we're learning anything in, in what we've dealt with and experienced in 2020 is that we are no match for our enemy apart from being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And, and, and that, I think, <clears throat> is one of the most important realities for us to come to terms with. Um, Jesus said that He could do nothing without the Father. Amen. And so if Jesus realized that apart from His Father, He could do nothing then I think it's important for us to come to that same conclusion, that same realization in our own lives. Amen. How many battles have we lost trying to be strong within ourselves? How many times have we failed when we could have succeeded because we were looking for something deep inside of ourselves instead of uh, digging deep inside of the Lord for the strength that He has uh, offered to each and every one of us. Are you hearing me? The, the world thinks like that, right? You know, you got to drag your own self up by your bootstraps. you got to dig deep within yourself. And, and all of these words, and, 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 and really, they're, they're nothing more than poetic humanism, my friend. Listen, apart from Him, we can do nothing. Without Him, I am nothing. But I am not without Him this morning. You are not without Him this morning. 
And there is a strength that we have available to us as children of God that we can tap into that will enable us to stand no matter what it is we face, no matter what hardship, no matter what challenges, no matter what attacks, no matter what onslaught. There is a strength that is stronger than any uh, effort the the devil may have against us. And that strength is in the Lord and in the power of His might. So notice now verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The key to being strong in the Lord and in the power of His might is putting on the whole armor of God. Now, I know that may be very obvious, but I just I want to I point that out to you this morning. I want you, I want you to really come to terms with that. Let me, let me say it another way to help make the point, Okay. How will you ever be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might if you do not put on the whole armor of God? You can't have one without the other. If you're going to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, you're going to have to put on the armor that He has made available uh, for each and every one of His children. So finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So He's not just telling us what to do here. He's telling us how to do it. Amen. And He's telling us that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might if we put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now let me keep reading here. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, I'm not going to take the time to, to break all of these down, but he's, he's obviously talking about demonic spirits. And when we're talking about demonic spirits, we know from the Bible that this involves Lucifer, who is now known as Satan or the devil, He was originally an archangel who rebelled and fell from heaven. And the Bible says that he took one-third of the angels with him when he fell. So these are different categories of fallen angels. And these are uh, what we may just simply call devils or demons. Technically, there's one devil, Lucifer, and then there are many demons, demonic spirits, that, that have fallen. Now, it's, it's interesting to me that um, there are two basic approaches to uh, the devil and demonic spirits in the body of Christ. Am I boring you? You got a few more minutes? Amen. Two basic responses. Two basic responses. On one end of the spectrum, you have people who um, pretend like the devil doesn't exist. They, they deny that, that there is a devil, they, they, they have no concept of, of there being uh, a devil or a devil behind uh, things, and that's one response, and that's on one end of the spectrum. And then you tend to have the polar opposite of that response, and that's a group of people who find the devil in everything, right? I mean, the, the devil this, devil that, everything's a devil, Okay. Well, somewhere in between the two is the right response. Amen. Now, what we know is that the devil is our adversary. And, and as simple as I know how to say it, um, you can't 
how do I say that? Let me say it the right way. People who say, I don't believe there's a devil, but believe there's a God. How can, how can you believe there's no devil and believe there's a God if the God you believe, you say you believe in, says we have an, an enemy? You follow what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I was trying to make that simple and I made it complicated, right? If you believe in God, you have to believe there's a devil because the God you believe in identifies him not only as existing, but as being your adversary. Jesus said in John the 10th chapter, he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay? Now, he's telling us here that we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me, um, let me, praise God. There's so much here and I feel myself getting, getting rushed. Let me take a deep breath. All right. Let's just talk about some of this for a minute, all right? These, these verses right here, verse 12, are, are some of the most important verses we can ever understand when it comes to relationships with other people, okay? Other people are not your enemy. Other people are not your enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. When he says flesh and blood, he's talking about human beings. Now, when it comes to some of the more difficult things that we face in life, those things are going to involve other people. You think about that for a moment, right? Some of the, some of the most beautiful, wonderful things that there are to experience in life involves other people but also some of the most difficult and, and devastating things that there are to deal with in life involve other people, okay? So what he's saying here is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Here, here is a simple way that, that, the, that the Lord showed me to say it. Don't respond by wrestling with the person. Respond to the Spirit trying to manipulate that person against you. Okay? This is important. Don't respond by wrestling with the person. Let's say you've got a co-worker that seems like they've made it their mission in life to make your experience at work miserable. That's, that's not that far-fetched of a thing. Right? Why is it not that unusual or uncommon of a thing? Because this is how the enemy works against us. This is, this is part of his strategy. This is, this is part of his methodology. Is if he can manipulate another person and use that person's words and actions in a way against you that, that will, that will you know, potentially discourage you, that would potentially uh, unsettle you, that would... would you know, would cause you problems and, 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 and what have you in life. And so, and so, again, if we're not careful, we will wind up responding to that person without ever recognizing that there's a demonic spirit that's manipulating that person. And that's the authority that we have. Remember I told you a moment ago, you can't control what other people say and do, but you do have authority over demonic spirits that try to manipulate other people against you. 
Are you hearing me this morning? This is very, very, very important. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending that you, you follow this example uh, to the T, but do you remember when Satan tried to use Peter against Jesus? You remember when Jesus told him, he said, listen, guys, now that you know who I am, I need to tell you why I'm here. I need to tell you what my ultimate mission is. Um, there's coming a day when, when I'm, I'm going to, to die. Um, they're going to come and get me, and, 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 but I'm going to be raised up. And, and, and Peter just jumps in there, basically says, over my dead body. I'll never allow this to happen. And Jesus responded by saying what? Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense unto me. See, Jesus recognized that Peter, in his ignorance, Peter didn't understand the plan. Peter just, you know, heard Jesus was going to die, and this was a terrible thing, and no way Peter was going to let it happen. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, why did Jesus respond, you know, so sternly and so strongly to that? Well, it's because Jesus refused to entertain any suggestion that he could somehow get away with not going to the cross. I mean, this... In other words, we think it's maybe Jesus overreacted here, but, but I offer to you that he did not overreact. It's just that Jesus recognized that he was not going to allow a single thought to enter his mind, right? He wasn't going to entertain that thought for one moment that he would somehow uh, say no to the cross. And so when somebody very close to him, notice this was a friend, this, this was someone who had just uh, had a spiritual breakthrough. Peter had just received from his Father in heaven, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, this was such a, a high moment uh, for Peter, okay? And, 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 and Jesus, and, and now in that, in that same moment, Peter is offering to Jesus this idea that there's no need to die, there's no need to go to the cross. And Jesus refused to entertain that thought even for a moment. But he also recognized that in the same way that it wasn't Peter who realized he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, it also wasn't Peter who came up with those words that, the, that you don't have to go to the cross, that he was being influenced by the devil himself, and Jesus recognized that and told the devil to get behind him, right? Notice what's the devil trying to do. The devil's trying to work his way out at, ahead of Jesus, and, and come in between Jesus and his destiny. And Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. All right, a few more minutes here. Let's go. Um, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, praise God. Let's do this. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. Let's go back 
verse 12, and then verse 13. All right? He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Anytime you see therefore in the scripture, it's to be understood in light of what was just revealed. Okay? So, in light of what was just revealed is that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but all these different categories of demonic uh, influence, powers of you know, wickedness in the heavenly places, these demonic spirits that are plotting and planning and strategizing against us. So he says to you and me, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, he goes on to say, stand therefore. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to just try to introduce to you this morning and we'll, we'll get into it in greater detail next week. But when we talk about when we talk about taking up and putting on the whole armor of God, we are talking about something that is, that is it's my responsibility to do that. It's, it's your responsibility to do that. Now let's, let's go back to that word again, response ability, okay? In other words, our response must be to take up and put on the whole armor of God. This is how we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and it's how we will be able to stand against the wiles the schemes, the strategies, the plots, the plans, the methods, the, the way the enemy works against us. He says that if we will put on the whole armor of God, we will be in an advantageous position. In other words, I know this may sound so simple and so basic, but just as I've been meditating on this just for my own life personally, um, it's one thing for that armor to be available to us, but it's another thing altogether for us to actually put it on. Um, some of you know a little bit about my story. I, um, I worked in the, um, let's see, this would have been the late 1980s, early 1990s. Um, I worked for the city of Hoover. This was when they uh, came online with uh, 911. And um, in those days, it was E-911. Anybody remember E-911, right? Well, they quickly had to change it because people would actually try to dial the E. And then, the, no, I'm not kidding you when I say there were people who were like, they couldn't find the number 11 on their, on their phone pad. And yeah, so it's not one world. But anyway, um, so that's why it's 911 now. No E, no 11, just 911, right? Well, as a 911 operator, I was also a police and fire dispatcher. And um, <clears throat> in those days, I don't know how it is now, what the regulations are now, but um, during the summer months, um, the police officers could choose 
to not wear their bulletproof vests. And you know, I never really, I've never wore a bulletproof vest. I've never really thought about um, how bulky, how hot, and how uncomfortable a bulletproof vest actually was to wear until I was around men who, and women who wore those um, in, you know, late July in Alabama. Um, it was miserable. And they would sometimes come in the dispatch office and just, ah, I just couldn't wait to get the thing off for a few minutes, you know, and they'd just be wringing wet, you know, un underneath. And so you would actually have, you know, some of those officers who would, who would choose not to wear um, their bulletproof vests uh, during, you know, those months. And <clears throat> as I was meditating on our responsibility to put on the whole armor of God, um, I, you know, I begin to realize that um, there may be some inconveniencing of ourselves if we're going to do this effectively. In other words, this is not just something... It, let, me, let me say it another way. If, if, it, if it was automatically installed upon every person every morning when you woke up, he wouldn't tell you to take it up and put it on. Are you hearing me this morning? In other words, he would instead just say, hey, I want you to know as a child of God, you have the armor of God and, and, and that armor is around you and it's protecting you and, and um, just want to make you aware of that. No, 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 it's not, that's, that's not what he told us. He didn't write this to make us aware of the armor of God that, that, it, that, that we have you know, automatically installed on us, but he's writing this with the specific instructions that we have to take it up and put it on. It's, it, it's speaking of a deliberate and intentional act. Amen. And it's something that each one of us are responsible for doing uh, for ourselves. Amen. That, that we have to put this armor on. Now, amen. How then, and this leads us to, I guess you know, the really important question, how then do we practically and effectively do that? Okay? So when, he's, when he says, and I'm just going to use one example here, when he, when he says to put on the breastplate of righteousness, are you with me? How, how is it that, that I can effectively and practically take this important piece of armor. Now, if we're thinking about a soldier, every piece, and he didn't say put on half the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. So I'm not just trying to single out one piece. That would be obviously uh, you know, opposite to what we're being told here. But I'm just trying to help you understand from one piece of the armor so that you can then apply it to, to the rest of the armor, Okay. So the breastplate, that obviously would be a, a thick piece of metal that would go over the vital organs of, of a soldier, um, you know, in combat where arrows are flying and uh, swords are being uh, swung, and, and um, so to have that protection um, over that, that vital part of, of the body, okay? This is, this is the, the picture, this is the imagery that, that he's giving us, okay? Now, 
How, how then, if, if you were going to wake up in the morning and before you left your house, you were going to take up and put on the whole armor of God, how would you then put on the breastplate of righteousness? What, what does that look like? What does that mean? I mean, is it something that you just picture in your head that you're doing? How, how is it that we take it up and put it on? Well, here is something I believe that has changed my life and it will change yours. The way you put on the breastplate of righteousness is to understand and make yourself aware of the righteousness that you've been made, the righteousness that you've been given, that, that you become aware that you have been made righteous, you have been made right with God before God in the eyes of God. You see, most people, listen to me please, and I'm not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at anybody, but most people are more aware of the sinner that they were than the righteous child of God that they became the day they were born again. In other words, they leave their house thinking of themselves as a sinner. They leave their house thinking of themselves as, as someone who, who makes all kinds of mistakes and is going to probably make a bunch more today and so forth and so on. When, when we talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we're talking about leaving our houses aware of the righteousness that we've become, that, that we've been made right with God, that we are right with God, that we're just as right with God as Jesus, not because we've earned it, not because we deserved it, not because um, we somehow you know, have been good enough to, to earn this, this position, but because of His grace, because of what He's done for us through the new birth, and that we, we now leave our, our houses aware of that, is this, is this making sense? Stand with me. Praise God, I've done went too long this morning. Is this making sense to you? In other words, to put on the whole armor of God means to, to, to not forget. This is, this is where the devil is, 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 is wanting to work against us. It's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing to be aware of your righteousness. It's one thing to have received salvation. It's another thing to put on the helmet of salvation, to, 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 to be aware that, that, that I am one who has been saved and, and everything that salvation means. It doesn't just mean forgiveness of sins. It, it means healing. It means protection. It means provision. It, 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 it's, it's everything that's needed for the total man. Again, that helmet um, of salvation. So how do we stitch all this together? Notice in David's darkest moments, he reminded himself... He reminded himself, rather, of things that God had done for him in the past. Are you seeing this? In other words, when, when his own men were talking about killing him, what did he do? Oh, man, I've blew it this time. I can't believe, God, you've let me down. I, you know, this isn't right, God. I've served you my whole... No, no, it's not what he did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He reminded himself... how. How would that apply to you and me in putting on the whole armor of God? Reminding ourselves of our salvation. Reminding ourselves of, 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 of our righteousness. Reminding ourselves um, of, of the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen? All right. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you, Father, for this um, beautiful season of Christmas and, Lord, now a new year uh, rapidly approaching us, Father. Lord, I thank you that 
um, you have raised up this family of faith, Lord, and you uh, have great uh, plans and purposes, Lord God, uh, for each one of us and for us collectively as, as a group of men and women. Father, I thank you that, that you have made strength and protection available for us, Father, but it's, it's important that we understand these things. It's important, Father, that we take up the whole armor of God. And Lord, I thank you this morning that, that you're teaching us how to respond Father, by faith, respond, Father, by a remembrance and a recalling of our salvation, a remembrance and a recalling of our righteousness, a remembrance and a recalling of, of the gospel and, and the peace that we now have with you because of that gospel, Father. And Lord, I thank you this morning for just your goodness and your love and your mercy. Father, once again, we just lift up all the different members of our family of faith, Lord, that are, that are recovering today. I thank you, Father, for speedy recovery, supernatural breakthrough, Lord. Let it just be like the switch was, was flipped, Father, and, and they go from uh, feeling poorly to feeling wonderfully today. And Father, we thank you for good things now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. We look forward to uh, a wonderful 2021, and we're going to get that uh, kicked off next Sunday, enjoying communion together. Amen. You be blessed.